Hey guys, welcome back to the Naeem Fazel podcast. This is Vinny here, your host, and I have Kristen with me. What's up, Kristen? Hey, hey guys. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so excited. We have a couple more episodes of the podcast and I'm really pumped. Oh, oh yeah. Well, hey, I, you know, I had an idea and I was just thinking about, you know, we're, we're like, what, six, seven weeks into this thing. Now, I, I keep yeah. losing track, but um, it's been great. And the reason that it's great is because we've had so many awesome people that we've met along this way. I know you're making friends left and right. Um, yeah. But this is all, um, I don't want to say like useless or like it's not important, but like without the people listening, right? Like, why are we doing this? So, so true. So we just want to take a minute to acknowledge you listening right now and just yeah. say thank you. And and me and Chris were talking, we just want to hype you up today, you know? So this <laughs> yeah. is like, this is like, this is your day, right? Like, you just want to take a second, whatever you're doing, you might be like washing dishes, you might be running on the treadmill, you might be driving in your car, like, right, Chris, we just want to let you know that like, you're dope, like you are awesome, you're doing great, your outfit yes. is fire, even if it's just sweatpants and you have a coffee stain on your shirt, like, hey, it's all you good. picked those clothes, you put them on, it's amazing, yes. it's amazing, yes. everybody in your life is so glad that you're in there <laughs> they're like you're gonna do amazing things today you're gonna change the world even if you don't yeah. leave your house or your sweatpants that's true just because you're just here so you're changing the world by just being here and listening and joining us and just being alive so we're just thankful for you your smile's great so keep smiling keep being awesome and we just you are our favorite person of the day yes today. you yes you. you are our favorite person specifically you listening. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously though, we are thankful for you guys. Please, please, please reach out to us on social media. Let us know, you know, let us know, like show us your outfit that you were wearing when we hyped up your outfit, maybe. Yeah, we'll hype you up for real. I'll do it. For I'll sure. send personal videos, story, whatever. <laughs> I love to That's hype amazing. people up. <laughs> oh my gosh, me too. Well, hey, Kristen, what do we got going on today for the episode? So today I have my friend Kate and we talk a lot about, she calls herself a messy middle Christian, which I think is so relatable, even for people who maybe are not believers. Um, I know there are a lot of people right now who feel in the tension or in the middle of a lot of things. Am I leaving church? Am I leaving God? What the heck is going on with religion and Jesus and faith and all of this? And so we talk about all of it. We talk about how to be in the middle um, and not that you have to pick a side or get out of it, but how it's okay to live in the middle and what we can do. Yeah, I love that. And um, I'm excited to listen. And I know that, you know, even when we are hyping up people, some people might find themselves right now in the middle, right? So just remember, it's okay to hype yourself, even if you feel like you're maybe not worthy of, <laughs> of the hype, but you That's are. Right. You are, so, right. <laughs> so let's just jump in. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. All right, guys. Well, welcome back. Welcome to the Naeem Fazel podcast. I am not Naeem Fazel. I am Kristen Muckler-Young, and we are doing a takeover season. So I'm so excited to be back with you guys. And my guest today is Kate Boyd. And Kate, I met you actually on Twitter. I found you on Twitter. And a lot of people are like, wait, you're on Twitter? Because literally no one follows me on Twitter. <laughs> like, no one. <laughs> Twice a year, I go in and tweet something, and I get no interaction. And then I quit again, and I just, I just live on Instagram. But that is where I found you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Kate. Um, by day, I do communications work at a university here in the Dallas area. Um, and then by later in the day, I'm a seminary student and, um, and yeah, I, you know, eventually see myself ending up in ministry in some way, what shape that turns into, I don't know, but I know that I'm passionate about discipleship and how the church can, um, make sure that we're, um, including like not missing people, that people aren't falling through the cracks and that, um, you know, we're being, shaped into the way of Jesus. So, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's me. Awesome. And I, I want to talk about all of that today. Um, actually, I mean, we can start with, you call yourself a messy middle Christian. Is that right? A messy yeah. middle Christian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. What does, I mean, I feel like I can relate to that, but what does that mean? What does that mean for you? So I think, um, what I was sort of seeing is, um, you know, I grew up in, in more of a very conservative space. You know, I live in Texas, so we're 
you know, I grew up Southern Baptist for the most part. And so there's a lot of um, what I would classify as fundamentalism, right? Where there's like added on things yeah. um, to what it means to follow Jesus than what's actually there, which includes a lot of behaviors or whatever, right? Theology um, even. Yeah. And so yeah. as I was like, sort of after going overseas and shifting and starting to see like, okay, what are some of the things that I need to adjust, you know, I found myself sort of adjusting on a spectrum of things. But then I look at, say, the progressive side, and there is the same kind of fundamentalism, just yeah. about different things, where right. it's like, well, if you don't think this about this, then you can't sit with us either. And I was right. like, well, that doesn't work for me either, because I feel like a lot of my stuff falls in the middle. Um, and so what I found was I still am committed to, you know, orthodoxy, like Nicene orthodoxy, the things that we really hold tight. There's a lot of things that I hold loosely or even that I adjust as life goes on and more information is presented to me, you know, Um, as I sort of sift through things. And so it's sort of this like, yeah, untidy spot where there's, you know, lots of room for lots of ideas about, you know, a lot of things but we're certain about a handful and it's sort of like being free to have that breadth in the middle that maybe makes it messy because we have a whole lot of people here and we're all just sort of like hanging out together and having conversations and agreeing to disagree on something um, that aren't, you know, top tier issues for, you know, orthodoxy. And so, um, yeah, so I shared some of that and people were like, oh gosh, that's me too. Cause I love orthodoxy, but I don't love fundamentalism. And yeah. there's all these things that I'm still figuring out for myself. Same me included. Now that my semester's right. over, I've got a stack of books this big to, <laughs> to read through to think more about some other issues. And so it's just really interesting. Yeah. So it's just this place where there's like a little tidy spot, right? In an oasis <laughs> where it's tidy, but everything else is just sort of like out there and floating and you're interacting with a lot of ideas um, and people who have different ideas and being comfortable in this room that's big enough for all of us. I think that is the hardest part too. It's interesting that you said like really both sides are doing the same thing. And I think it can be, you know, progressive, conservative, or we can even take specific topics or concepts and there are yeah. still very opposing sides who might believe different things, but their behaviors, they're actually acting the same way as the people that they're criticizing. They just don't see it. But I know even for me, especially as far as when it comes to, I'm going to air quote here, like religion. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a very black and white space. So I grew up, there was no middle, there was no messy, there was no gray area, you know? Mm -hmm. And if something was, um, the tiniest bit not right, it was wrong. If it wasn't right. like pure, clear white, it was it was black. And um, this has been one of the hardest things for me is being okay with not knowing, being okay with, okay, maybe there is like a gray area here. Uh, maybe there are things where I can sit in the middle and I can kind of, you know, hold a multitude or see both sides yeah. and really get to that place. I think it's hard, but so necessary to be able to get to that place where we don't have to have answers or we can disagree, but like nicely, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and I think too, there's a certain amount of like, at a certain point we have to, I think like you, I grew up in a tradition that really felt like everything had to be certain. Yeah. And I am also a person who loves certainty. <laughs> like I yes. love that. I spend, it's easier. I mean, yeah, it's so much easier. And so now having to interact and like be in the questions and in the wrestling, like on so many things every day, um, not only do I find myself more humble um, yeah. when it comes to my own like hermeneutics and like reading the Bible, but I also am more open um, to other people and more gracious in discussion. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, and I'm more willing to work through those things and I'm more trusting that, that God is in that, you know, that I have to yeah. rely to a certain extent on the Holy Spirit to make things clear um, for me as I work through it. And, and I think that too is, should be the work of discipleship and community is walking through that. Um, I was just asking that question on Twitter today. What does it look like to be a community that, um, you know, walks with people through questions instead of just like providing tidy answers. And there's some really good 
you know, responses on that thread, but I think it is a lot of like, just remembering that we're humble and giving people tools and saying, Hey, actually even first just saying, Hey, it's safe to have questions and it's safe to wrestle through those things. Um, and it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you've lost your Jesus. Yeah. That it, that it's not elevated to the place of, you know, that we're going to be totally lost (laughs) because we have a doubt. And that's why I think Thomas, like in the Bible is such a good example. Cause he had, you know, he was willing to die with Jesus. He's like, let's go with him so we can die too. And then, you know, he gets hated on because he doubted and, but you know, Jesus sat with him. Right. And he's like, come here, come close. Like, look, look at the scars. I'll sit here. I'll be with you. Like, it's okay. Um, you know, and, and then Thomas takes the gospel to India. So like, Mm -hmm. it's a big, like, Jesus doesn't hate the doubts. I think we think that he does. And I think yeah. that we, you know, we see the disciples, you know, in the Bible and they have little faith or whatever, but Jesus sticks with them and he yeah. keeps working with them through their unbelief. And I think that it's safe that if those people who were present with him in body um, are like that, you know, if he has that grace for them, I for sure think he thinks think he has the grace for us 2000 years later. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and I love even with Thomas, how a bad rap for being the one that's like, you know, let me see, prove it. Like, where are the receipts? But like how two or three verses before it says that all the other disciples did the same thing. It just yeah. was recorded that Thomas was like, wait, what? I missed that. You know? Well, yeah. Cause he wasn't there. Right. Everyone right. else was there. He had already put like, hang on. Else. I'm like, let me, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's so interesting too. I love that you brought up humility because I think one of the hardest things about being in the middle and one of the hardest things about not having a, a faith of certainty is pride. Mm-hmm. But as pride goes, you don't see that it's pride. I think it it's one of those things where maybe it's pride of not being willing to learn from certain people. Maybe it's pride of um, not being able to you know, the, the inerrancy of the Bible and that whole idea of like, well, if one thing is not true, like just having everything unravel, I think there's pride even of if, if, if I let go of something I believed my whole entire life, mm-hmm. I mean, that is a serious unraveling, you know, that well, it's a really hard place to be initially until you yeah. can fight through that discomfort and learn to be okay with it. Well, and to be fair, that's the narrative we grew up with, right? Like everything's sure. a slippery slope. Yeah. And so you you're end gonna up, backslide. <laughs> if you if you take this piece away, then you obviously don't hold to everything else. Or like the logical conclusion is that everything falls apart. That's not actually it at all, right? Like and and what's so interesting too in this phenomenon of evangelicalism, which is really like where my circles are, is like how it kind of just sort of ignores every other believing tradition, you know, like the fact that it feels like we're the only one, it, it feels like we're the only ones who write are right. Right. And so you just like, don't even learn anything about what Anglicans believe or what Methodists believe or what Lutherans believe. Like, um, and so you end up not being familiar and then you end up just thinking, well, they believe this other thing. So they're wrong. And therefore I can't be part of that because that's like the slippery slope everybody warned about. Yeah, right. And so right. it's just really interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon that I think about a lot of all the different issues that we've sort of made, like that we have the definitive solution and even how, how dangerous that is, you know, for, and I think that's part of why we're seeing all the deconstructing, yeah. right? Like, because people are now realizing that, oh, what if this one thing is wrong? Now I have to examine everything, right. um, which is fair. And that's not a bad impulse. Um, you know, I think that's what Jesus did when he was on earth was sort of upend what people thought religion was. And so I think it's, um, important to remember and remind and to grow people in discipleship, knowing that there will be ambiguity and knowing that there's a wide tent in Christendom. And it's not just this one narrow evangelical way. Um, because there's, then there's so much that you miss out on. Um, and so many friends that you could have, (laughs) Yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, and again, it's, it's, it goes back to that pride issue of like, Mm -hmm. we are the ones we have the right issue. And I think 
exactly like you said, learning not only other faiths, but even other people. I mean, this can apply even to like the racial tension and the racial conversations mm -hmm. that we're having. Do you know, I mean, I am a white female. Like if I don't know and I'm not in relationship with anyone who is black or who is Indian or who is Asian American, like I'm not gonna understand their perspective. And that's what been one of the coolest things. I think you mentioned going overseas. So I wonder if this is part of your story too, but it's like the closer I get to God, the more he shows me other people. And now I can't unsee them. Like if my, if my theology, like if we love God, but don't love other people, our theology is broken. There's something wrong there, you know? And the, the more I dig into him, the more he shows up in other people, which I think is not what I expected but now that I've like seen it, I can't unsee it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We've really done this thing where we've compartmentalized right belief from like right action. Um, yeah. when they're so tied up together or they're yeah. meant to be so tied up together and, and because we've compartmentalized them, then you can technically have all the right belief, but you're right. There is something in there that is not you know, in, in right belief, because your action does not follow mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, and sometimes that takes time to internalize. Like, I think we sure. all sort of like, that's just being part of a human and maturing and growing. Like there is mm -hmm. a certain extent, but if you're then not getting to the point where you've got fruit of the spirit, like then there's probably something that's blocking you, you know, yeah. whether it's what you believe or how you practice it or whatever, like there's something there. And so I do think there is a big part of, um, and even that we've divorced, like what we believe in, what we do in church from the rest of life, when right. church is actually like an all encompassing sort of community that touches yeah. on all of life. And so there's all these little separations that we've built in that shouldn't actually exist mm -hmm. um, and wouldn't be expected to exist if we rewound, you know, history. And so something has happened. And I think that, you know, part of that is like postmodernism and secularization and lots of questions. And, but I think what we need to do is remarry some of that so that we find ourselves um, with practice that follows our belief and yeah. allows for that love. Because if the two greatest <laughs> commandments, right, are to love God and love others, you know, if we're missing one of those, we're missing half of it. Right. Like, that's a right. Big, that's a big proportion. Right. So we should yeah. question that. Yeah, for sure. And that's where community is so important. And I know this is one of your um, things that you are passionate about too, because we have to, again, in humility, have space for people because as long as we're growing, we're growing, right? Like God does not say, Hey, tomorrow, I expect you to be perfect. He just likes to see us grow. Let's keep moving forward. And community is the place where we can then say, all right, I might be ahead of you, but I'm behind you, but it doesn't matter because we're all walking together. Like where is a safe place that you can ask questions? Where is a safe place that you can bring your doubts, you know, and that we can then be that for each other, be that place for each other to just encourage on and say, Hey, just keep moving. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think community is so vital. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Um, I, because I think what, what we've seen is because we know that salvation happens on a personal level at some point that shifted into a very individualistic faith. Yeah. Um, but if you look back on the early church and even what they came out of, right, which is Judaism, which was, you know, defined by that community, that nation, that group of people, right? So like there wasn't separating, there still isn't some separating like from that for people. Um, from my understanding, I'm not a Jewish scholar. So anyone, please <laughs> yes. feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and so I think it's so interesting to me that, um, and I think too, so if, sorry, if we rewind back to like early church, what we see is a community that is forged um, in persecution, in discomfort, right? Like they were not, it was not okay that they were doing what they were doing. Right. Um, not only because they were sort of like claiming these big things about the Jewish faith, but they were also threatening like 
the Roman God system, right? Because mm -hmm. the empire required sacrifices to their gods and Christians were like, we can't do that. Right. <laughs> and so it was a, it was a threat to them too, to the order. And so that's a large part of why, you know, all of the persecution happened at first that scattered people and, but the church grew anyway. And it did so because of the community and the way they took care of each other, but even the way yeah. that they took care of the marginalized people like widows and orphans who yeah. wouldn't, who didn't have support systems, who didn't have income, who didn't have people around. And um, so I think that is part of what we're missing. But I also think when we turn our faith individually, um, and I think for some people that is less of an option, there are places in the world, right, where you might be the only believer around. And so sure. there are I believe God makes exceptions for, sure. for yeah. extreme circumstances. Of course. But um, when we separate ourselves from the community, we're separating ourselves from the body. You know, a lot of um, like, if Christ is our head, we are united to him, but only if we're connected to the body. And so I think it's really important um, because not only do we need each other to function and um, to be whole, um, in that way with our gifts and everything, but this is also how we're shaped and how we come up, like you said, how we come alongside one another, um, you know, to support one another. And I think there's so much that we miss if we don't, you know, practice our faith together, mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, reading the Bible together or serving other people. Um, there's something special that happens when we, the people of God are one people, um together working toward an outcome and i think yeah so much of our life is missed um as believers when we're not part of a community like that yeah yeah it reminds me i've heard you say before that the future of church isn't big but it's small yeah and so that reminds me of that you know we've got to be in community and in groups, but it doesn't necessarily mean mega church, right? And it can, there are mega churches that are doing amazing things and there are people that are thriving there. But I feel like right now, especially we've got a lot of people who are leaving the like quote unquote church. Um, and, but, but, but we need them to understand, like you can leave the institution, I guess, if you need to, but to still have this community, like to not to lose this, mm -hmm. what would you say to somebody who is like, I'm done with church. I still believe in God. I still am a Christian, but I don't want to like do this Sunday thing anymore. What would yeah. you say to them? I mean, so most of the time, the reason that happens in my experience is because, um, you know, they've experienced some kind of hurt, right? Sure. Like it wasn't a yeah. safe space for them or for someone that they love or someone that they yeah. knew. Um, and that takes a lot of different forms. It may not necessarily be like outright abuse, but it could be like a lack of empathy or connection or whatever, right? Like maybe they fell through the cracks in some way. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and so like, I think the first thing that I always say is like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah. that's happened to you. Yeah, That's not the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I would say, you know, but God still wants us to be in community and you're made for community. Like look at your friend groups, look at what you do every day and how you work and how you function in society. You probably have people that you're connected to um, in one way or another, even, you know, our simplest interactions, like going to the grocery store and, or going to counseling, right? Like those are communal mm -hmm. things because they involve other people. Sure. Um, so I think it's important to remember that. And the second thing is just that, you know, Jesus never had people do life alone, right? He, yeah. he wasn't alone in his right. life. Did he have his introvert time when he had to go off and pray? <laughs> yes. And rest? yes it's too people out here. Yes. I need to take a break. Yes. You know, like <laughs> I, I understand. Um, but he was with a group of people and his people were with groups of people. And even when they separated to do their missional thing, they made groups of people. And, um, it's precisely because we aren't completely self-sufficient, we can't be, um, that we need these other folks in our lives because they have other gifts or resources um, that connect us to one another and that support one another um, or that can. 
and um and i think we need other people's experiences and um yeah, that's good you know education to even speak into the way that we read the bible and, right. and what we do because someone else's experience brings a different perspective on what we read and how we may act or apply what we read yeah. because we just weren't we didn't know it before yeah um so i think it's important that you know, you find that space and I, I pray that you find a safe space or that you create that space. Um, because I think it's important and I just, I just don't think we can grow on our own. I don't think we can be fully healthy without relationships. Um, I think, I think they're kind of, I think they're kind of the point in a way, right? Like human flourishing is the point, but it happens with a bunch of people working together. And we yeah. can't do that by ourselves. We have to participate. Yeah. Well, and we can learn, like you said, we can learn from, from each other. And I fully believe that God uses us to, to be there for each other in a variety of ways. I have felt times in my life where I felt God show up because someone else showed up. You know, mm-hmm. I got a text from somebody and I somehow just it felt like God was seeing me. It felt like God was answering a prayer, even though surface level, like it didn't look like him. It looked like someone else, but you can tell, you can tell these little specific yeah. moments where God is like, Hey, I'm doing this for you. Or this is a very specific thing you prayed. And now I'm showing up to answer it. Totally. But I also think God's used people to teach me things. You know, he's um, like you said, through people's experiences or even just the things that they've learned that I wouldn't have learned their perspective. I wouldn't have seen it in that way if they hadn't presented it. And so yeah. yeah. I like to say that community is the miracle we need. Like, I think a lot of times oh, we, elegant. when we pray, we're expecting, you know, about something that we really need or we mm-hmm. expect or, you know, desire that most of the, most of the time God answers that through other people. Yeah. Um, but if we're not in community with people, they also don't know, or maybe they're not, you know, moved in the same way. And so it's important that we be connected because that is, you know, how needs were met most of the time. Yeah. Miracles right. happen. I'm not going to say that they don't sure. see yeah. them like amazing, you know, yeah. will change your life to see some of that. But I think too, that a lot of times the things that we're looking for are the things that come from community mm-hmm. um, or having a community that is aware of your needs and that can work to steward their resources to help you meet that yeah. need. Um, and, it, and a lot of times instead we isolate or sometimes as churches, we are like, well, we can't meet that need. So we're going to push you out this way. And so that happens sometimes too. Mm. Sometimes it's not on you that it happens. Um, but I think that's where the disconnect is, right? Like, I think like if we are needing this thing, um, the church, a community should be, you know, maybe not sufficient to that, but at least provide the resources and the connection that gets you, you know, to a certain, yeah. to a certain place. And I think, um, we miss that partially because we do live in a very self-sufficient society mm-hmm. and we're expected to be very self-sufficient. I mean, I know I'm a millennial and people were like, Oh, all these millennials moving back home after they graduate college. And I was like, yeah, we don't have money. Like, what do you want? For we're, sa- we're smart, right? We're right. Not, like, like we're saving death. money. And it's because we're relying on the community that we grew up in that we, you know, hopefully would be able to manage and, and be more self-sufficient later. But I think it's because it's that mindset that we forget that this is supposed to be a place where um, we are connected and resourced and shaped together. I mean, you totally, especially now coming out of a year of isolation and a time where a lot of churches, you know, couldn't meet and there weren't services, physical services, um, I'm, I've been hearing from people like, oh, well, I don't need church anymore because it hasn't become part of their routine or, well, I'm still a Christian. I just don't want to come to church on Sundays. And I'm like, listen, number one, I love you at my church, but if there's a different church for you, like a hundred percent go, you can always come back. No hard feelings. Like all, that is always the answer, you know? Um, cause it's not about my church. It's about mm-hmm. you just being in community. It's about your relationship with Jesus And the people that are like, I'm just not going to go anywhere. It's not that there's a a better place. I just, I'm going to be a Christian by myself and I'm going to love Jesus on my own. And I'm like, okay, you can, but why, (laughs) why you can, but you're missing out on the fullness 
of the relationship with, with Jesus, of the fullness of what that means to not have, like you said, other people, you know, around them. Um, you posted something that I loved. You basically empower all people to say like, Hey, pastors are great, but like, we all have the same spirit within us. Um, why is it hard for people to believe that? Why do you think that's hard for them to, to grasp? Um, I think it's a couple of things. One, we have so many resources here that we know how much we don't know. Right. And people, oh, that's a good you know, point. pastors here go to school for two, yeah. three, four years to get an education, to lead people. And I think in some ways that sets up this barrier of, I can't do this on my own, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, to our conversation before, yeah, probably not, but that's why we need each other. Right. Right. <laughs> and I think the other thing is, um, we have come to value a specific set of gifts in most of our churches and let others sort of like go the other way or mm -hmm. saying like, because you don't have this specific gift, you can't exercise mm -hmm. any sort of like leadership or interpretation or connection. Like there's a lot of that. Um, and then I think the third thing is sometimes the way our churches are structured, they're more consumeristic than, you know, um, connective, right? Where people yeah. are actually allowed to, like people expect to come in, they expect to worship based on their preferences, and then they expect to sit down for 45 minutes while someone teaches them something. Right. And that's not bad. It's good to learn, but if they don't ever actually get to um, interact with that themselves or mm -hmm. with other people um, or have the tools then to interact with the word themselves, um, you know, or if it's just sort of like not expected of them, then they probably won't do it. And so I think yeah. there is that sort of becomes this disconnect where it's like the Holy Spirit and your years of education. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think if we look in the Bible, there's I, the woman at the well is a perfect example, right? Like she met Jesus. He changed her life. She instantly runs to her village and is like, let me tell yeah. you this th about this man and these things that he told me and yeah. they all come running. And so she, you know, kind of becomes the first church planter because she's yeah. there, like doing <laughs> stuff. And it's, you know, it's not because she had 10 years of education. She had, right. you know, maybe a couple of hours of conversation. And I think yeah. there's, um, so I think we sort of like think that the education is the thing that safeguards mm -hmm. um, when we forget that there's lots of places where that education does not exist, is not available or accessible. Um, and somehow <laughs> the good gospel continues to spread throughout the world despite not having access to the same resources we have. Yeah. So there is a sense in which we have to kind of reorient how we think about it so that it translates everywhere. And if it doesn't translate everywhere, then maybe we're missing something Yeah, or need to shift it. Yeah. How would you empower people? I think a lot of it is either comfort or what we're used to almost like a routine. You know, like mm -hmm. you said, people are used to going in, listening to the one pastor or the couple of people that teach, and then they go about their day, they go about their life. How would you encourage or empower just like the everyday churchgoer to kind of tap into that power or to move it, move to the next level. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think it just starts with, I mean, pray for awareness of it, right? Pray That's to, great. you know, um, to feel the Holy Spirit, to understand his voice when he speaks to you. But I also think part of the burden is on our churches, um, mm -hmm. you know, to change the mindset and to change their emphasis. Because I think a lot of times, this is why I think small groups in a church are so important because they allow regular people to yeah. lead and to exercise some different gifts or to have to like dig in or like be in community and discuss the word um, yeah. and stuff like that, that I think is so important um, because sometimes people just don't believe that they can. So I think some of that too is on churches to um, equip and empower their lay yeah. people to do that kind of thing. But if you're looking for that, you know, in your own life, like the first thing is just to ask to be aware of it, because I think it's there. You just sort of have to take hold of it or understand it. Um, yeah. 
and, and practice, right? Everything is yeah. better as you practice, as you discern the voice of the spirit, you know, and this yeah. is something I do a lot in like journaling after I read mm-hmm. the Bible, which is helpful for me. Like, okay, what does that mean for me? What am I supposed to take away from this today? Like that will help me like, where is this speaking into my life? Um, you know, and I'm always surprised sometimes, well, not always, but most of the time I'm surprised <laughs> by what, yeah. by what happens. And I'm like, oh, that actually connects a lot when I think about it to this thing that I'm dealing with or this person that I need to talk to or whatever. Um, and so I think it just takes a lot of active practicing it, which yeah. I think is the case for a lot of things we do. Like, again, it goes back to like belief and practice. Like we have mm-hmm. to start believing, but also practicing and putting those things together. Yeah. And it's a personal practice. And that's where I think people need to remember too. You don't have to do it. Like my personality is, I don't want to do something if I'm going to fail at it, especially in front of other people. (laughs) But this is a very personal thing where God is not going to be like, oh, you journaled that wrong or, you know, it's just, okay, God, I think this is you. And so I'm acting on it. And if it's not, you're going to come back. You're going to, he's going to course correct. You know, he's going to speak again. And I think one of the things is we don't have to worry so much about getting it right or wrong as long as if we're going to God with the things, if we're asking him, if we're saying, Hey, I want to feel the Holy spirit more. I want to be able to better interact with this. It is, it's just practice and we're not going to do it perfectly. Yeah. I mean, the filter is, is it sinful? Yeah. No, then you're probably okay. Right. Then there's a lot of experience and maybe you can do it better next time. Maybe you've, figured something out, but if it's not sinful, then, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe don't be so hard on yourself. It's all about growing. Right. Yeah. I would say too, the second, the other thing for you mentioned the churches, I think it's really important for us to remember that like pastors and church staff are just people. They're just regular people. Our, um, Naeem Fazel, our lead pastor, we're on the Naeem Fazel podcast. He is so good about being just authentic and real and genuine. Um, and that's something that I love about our church and our church staff, but I, there's a shift. I just became ordained, um, earlier this year. And I almost with certain people, people that I was friendly with before, once I got the title of pastor, Mm -hmm. even though nothing in my job description changed, nothing about my personality changed, like literally everything is the same. Everything I'm doing is the same, but now I have the title things with certain people, it changed. And it was almost like I became intimidating to them just because of this word. And I just Mm -hmm. want to like, I'm still the same person, Yeah, you know? And so I think it's really important on both sides for, you know, the average churchgoer to understand, please don't put your pastor on a pedestal. Like they are just regular, normal people, but also then for pastors to step into that and to live in such a way that they are approachable, that they are not, you know, separated from the body that they're leading. It's so important that we are involved in the people that we're, we can't shepherd and care for people that we won't allow to interact with us, you know? And I think the other thing is, yeah, it's sort of like what you were saying, like allowing, um, for those who are pastors to not sort of like allow that hierarchy to inform how they do ministry, but also not keep the hierarchy so far intact that others also don't feel empowered or equipped um, to do the work. Like I, I think too, sometimes there's, there can be in certain instances, tendencies to be like, well, we're the pastors and we do all the things and you guys just hang out and, you know, we'll teach you stuff, you know? And, but we expect you to like tithe and do this and do that. And so (laughs) they don't actually have a hand in their own spiritual formation or people aren't responsible for each other. Mm -hmm. And so I do think there are some churches in which that hierarchy is not just projected from the audience, but is actually like, sure. Handed down from the other, from the top down. So I think it's really sort of like, there needs to be this place where we balance out the power and where we, we make people aware that they are all personally responsible for each other's discipleship. It's not just those five people on staff. And this is also why people burn out, you know, like from ministry, because suddenly they're responsible for, you know, everything, (laughs) 100, 200, thousands of people's spiritual formation. And they're like, well, I can't possibly do that in a week. 
Um, and you're not supposed to, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to. And so there's this sort of like, yeah, it does go both ways that we have to be careful to not just sit back and be consumers, um, or not to, you know, elevate others above ourselves, you know, above ourselves, but also to like, not let ourselves be elevated above others and not create consumers in the way that we do right our structure, our church and, and practice that. Yeah. And a lot of it is on, on us as, as church staff members or church staff, you know, pastors, ministry leaders, whatever, to, to look at systems and go, okay, well, maybe this is the system that has been in place for hundreds of years, or this is the quote unquote way to do church, Mm -hmm. but it is a system. Like, let's not do it this way. And it's harder, (laughs) it's harder to do it that way. And I think that, like you said earlier, it's easier for people to, we want certainty, right? So there are people that want to go to a church where they're like, I understand the system. I want to go in and sit down. I want someone to te- like teach me for 30 minutes and then I want to leave. But I think for the people who are looking for community, like I just want people to know too, like there are churches that work differently out mm-hmm. there, you know, and just the look and it's, they're probably not going to be as big as the <laughs> church up the road. Um, but yeah, just to encourage people to look for a place where people are involved and their voice matters and there is true integration from all the different levels, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I want to know who do you look to? Cause this can be hard work. Like this, this can be hard to kind of speak out against, I wouldn't say mainstream Christianity, but sometimes, um, I can imagine that you get pushback from time to time. I can imagine that there are people who, you know, um, want us to just do what has always been done because it's easier. So is there, how do you keep going? Is there somebody that you look to for encouragement when it's hard? Um, somebody that you like to follow? Yeah, I think the first the first thing is that I, I have a community, right? Like that believe in me and that I trust. Um, and so um, there are sometimes when there are certain people, like when I post something online, Um, I do get criticism from time to time because I am in the middle and I get it from both sides, um, about various things. Um, and, uh, but it's sort of like, there's a handful of people who I know if I have their sort of like stamp of approval or, um, you know, their interaction in a positive way. Um, or if we had a conversation before and this was the fruit of that, that, um, like that's what I And I'm like, okay, we're safe. We're good. Like, am I a heretic? No. (laughs) Can I back up like what I am saying? Yes. Am I willing to engage it thoughtfully and have questions and like go back and forth? Mm -hmm. Then yes. Can I get feedback and still like, sometimes I have to filter that for myself. Like, am I, am am I too emotional about this? Right. Is it too fresh? Is it too raw for me to even have um, in like, if someone criticizes or asks a question or says, nope, you know, like, is there yeah. a way that will I respond in a way that isn't good? And so I think I just sort of have to like have all these checks for myself, but, um, but there is sort of like this handful of people in my life that I look to and lean on, um, and have conversations with that often result in things that I talk about, um, because I think that's important. Um, you know, who I look to online and stuff like that, I it just sort of varies. I can't totally think of people off the top of my head, but yeah, that's I okay. follow up, but at the po- I also follow a lot of different viewpoints from conservative to progressive and everywhere in between, um, you know, and different um, ethnicities and racial backgrounds, um, places in the world, different kinds of beliefs. And I think that's important too, because even if um, I disagree with them, Mm-hmm. I often find that they make me think about something in a way that I hadn't before. And yeah. it either um, strengthens my faith because I can sort of see why I disagree and uh-huh. I understand now and I can talk about that with a little bit more certainty. Um, but I also like find sort of like, okay, that the wrestling is the work. I think we don't think about that very much. So I'd sort of force myself to wrestle a lot <laughs> because- yeah because I think it is important, you know, to do that. So, I mean, I would just say first thing for me is always like having that embodied community, but also allowing myself um, to be introduced to new information and new ideas and, you know, following through on, on the way I interact with that so that I can actually 
um, you know, deal and then, or like figure it out. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, criticism happens. And sure. I think too, that's part of just, and then like weird stuff happens in DMs. Like, I think it's part of like <laughs> being a woman on the internet. And then of course, oh, like gosh. being a woman with an opinion on the internet. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think there was somebody who said like, if you wouldn't take advice from that person, you know, like then you don't have to, don't like, take their, their opinion criticism. doesn't have to yeah. be like a life or death make or break thing. Yeah, that's good. Um, or even Robert Monson, if you don't follow him on Twitter, definitely do. He's a great okay. follow. But he was talking about how, you know, like at some point you realize that you're seeking the approval of gatekeepers that you didn't even want to go inside their gate in the first place. And I right. was like, that's such a good point because sometimes I want to be so nuanced. And I try to be very nuanced so that I am, you know, respectful. Yeah. Um, sometimes I sort of wrestle myself out of, you know, saying what I believe because I want approval from this like fictional gatekeeper that I know is never going to accept me yeah. anyway. Um, and so I think there's, I mean, there's just, everyone's got sort of like their own criteria they have to sure. work through, but that's what works for me. Yeah. I love that you brought up following a diverse group of people, not just you know, racially, which is super important, but also in belief. I think that is so, so important. And again, goes back to like growing up, why would I ever listen to someone with a different perspective? Because yeah. they're going to sway me or they're going to convince me to believe in something else, but it is so important. And I think that's something that just talking and having conversations with people around me, the people that have not started questioning yet, the people that don't understand deconstruction or being in the middle are people that are only surrounded with like-minded mm -hmm. people. And it is that simple, just following people that are different or have different beliefs or different experiences really truly can open our eyes. And I think it's important to remember that just because we follow them doesn't mean we agree a hundred percent with everything they say, just because we read a book, you know, that someone has written about the Bible, about faith, about, about God, even, it doesn't mean we have to agree with every single sentence that they write, but it's a way of, growing our minds and expanding what we think. So, yeah. Yeah. Learning to interact with ideas. Um, like I said, it not only it, a shows you what's out there, right. So that you can sort of be prepared when you encounter it. Um, yeah. B it makes you actually wrestle with it and therefore come to a conclusion that you're a little bit more sure about, um, yeah. And, see, and then you've you decided it for yourself. In, yeah. And then it makes you more gracious in conversation because you know that there are a lot of different beliefs out there um, yeah. and that you can, you can still hold to what you believe in and be a nice person, you know? Right. Right. And it's, you believe it's so much stronger, you know, more inherently when you've decided you've wrestled it yourself as opposed yeah. to because someone told me this. Right. When you can own it for yourself, oh um, gosh, it makes yeah. a big difference. Yes. All right. Last question I have for you, which is I want to kind of um, tear down this idea that, you know, especially women in the, the faith sphere, like there's a certain way that we have to look and there's a certain thing we have to do. And I think um, with that, there are a lot of places, opportunities for us as women to criticize ourselves or to go, mm -hmm. okay, well, I'm not good enough at this or I don't have this. So I want to know what is your favorite thing about yourself? Ooh. And it can be anything. Yeah. I would say, um, I've, I've long said that one of my gifts is that I'm a dot connector. Um, and so what I like is the way that my brain works and connects dots and breaks things down, which is why I sort of like take in a whole lot of different information, um, from like various places or various like disciplines. Cause I really want to see how they intersect and Mm -hmm. um, connect all of those things. And so I love when I get those ideas or see those things come together. And I love that my brain does that for me, um, in a way that helps other people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that is one of, one of my gifts and I really enjoy that about myself. <laughs> I love that. Well, I will tell you just in the, the short time that I've been following you, I'm going to tell you my favorite thing about you as well. And that is that, you just make all of this seem so simple to me. Um, as a pastor, it's my job to like care about people, but I also am wired up as a person 
you know, just to truly care about that. Like, I, I guess as a pastor, it's more my job to care for them. I should say mm-hmm. it that way. It's my job to care for them. But as a person, I am wired up to care about people. And so even in these conversations of people leaving church and whatever, that can be as a person with very big feelings, that can be very hard when yeah. someone is not technically still in my care, but I still care about them. I still have that. Um, but you just seem to make all of this so simple. And so I have saved a bunch of your posts on Instagram and I go back to them when I get overwhelmed and just kind of, um, when it feels like it's too much and you just kind of ground me to remember like, okay, like not everything is black and white and it can be messy and people can be messy and emotions and all of this can be messy, but it's still okay. And it's not a bad thing. And so I just appreciate you for being a dot connector and just for kind of laying it out there in that way that I'm like, okay, like we can do this. Yes, this we can do work. hard things. Yeah, we can. We can. <laughs> oh, thank, uh, well, thank you. I appreciate you. that. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you if they want to follow along? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at kateboyd.co. Um, kateboyd.co is also my website where you can find sort of my hub for stuff. Um, I'm on Twitter at the Kate Boyd. Um, and then the fourth season of my podcast, Happy and Holy, which is available on a lot of, on pretty much all the players, I think, um, is coming up in the next couple of weeks. So um, awesome. at least as of time that we're recording, which yes. is mid to late May. Um, and so that should be ab- available for everybody. Um, yeah. And I think if you go to my website, you'll sort of see all the things all like newsletters yeah. and free things and past podcasts awesome. and all that stuff. So that's probably the easiest place to go. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. Kate, thank you so much. It was great having you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Vinny, I loved that conversation. And it's actually so funny to me that, you know, the way we hyped people up at the beginning, I think we can take Kate's words and hype them up here again at the end. I loved her idea that the future of church isn't big, but small. And I think the same goes for all of our listeners. You know, just remember that every little thing that you're doing really, truly does have a big, big impact. Yeah. It's, it's easy to go through your day to day and kind of feel like it's like, what am I really doing this for? Does this even matter? But yeah, just remembering that like, you know, like you said, everything matters and you know, what you're doing does make a difference. So definitely want to just keep encouraging you guys. Thank you for listening. Kristen, thank you for an awesome, another awesome episode. And I think we have one more of the Kristen there is you... one more. I can't believe it. On one hand, I'm I really know. excited, but on the other hand, I'm a little bit sad. So I got to figure yeah. out how to get myself back in here. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting nervous because you guys, you know, we started this, we're like, oh yeah, Kristen Mockler takeover all summer long. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not ready for us to be like at the end of this because <laughs> I'm up here in Pittsburgh and I know what the end of summer means. Like you guys down in Charlotte have a few more months. Like I'm about to we have do. a snowstorm just sneak oh, up on no. me. I'm like, yeah. So I'm not ready for this. I- I'm, I'm, I'm like, let's go back to the beginning of the takeover. <laughs> uh, we'll think of you while we're out on the lake and at the pool. So. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, whatever. Well, Kristen, this was fun, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, continue to share, subscribe, and follow us on social media and reach out to us on there. We, we love talking to you guys. So, Kristen, thank you. Talk to you soon. See you guys later. Bye.